Welcome to Intimacy Play, a podcast by Pleasy Play. We host open discussions with world-leading experts on couples, sex, and intimacy, so you can build a more exciting, fun, and intimate relationship. I'm your host, Michaela Silva. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm joined in this episode by Nicola Salmon, a fat-positive fertility coach and author of Fat and Fertile. Nicola is an advocate for change in how fat women are treated on their fertility journey and supports fat people who want to get pregnant using her unique fat-positive fertility framework. That's a lot. She also helps them to find their own version of health without diets, advocate for their bodies, relearn how to trust their body, and believe in their ability to get pregnant in their current body. Welcome. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. Um, Yeah, really good. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. And I'm super curious about the subject. Um, First of all, you are a fat positive feminist fertility coach. What does this mean? Mm, That is a good question. So for me, that means that I'm fat positive, which means that I don't discriminate against people based on their bodies. It means that I believe that body size does not equal health. So thin doesn't equal healthy, fat doesn't equal unhealthy, and that I support people of all sizes in order to get pregnant. Um, And I'm a feminist, so that means that my work is informed by folks in the past who have promoted um, a feminist agenda, so looking at inequality in healthcare in terms of gender and how we can really navigate that space to be able to support people who want to get pregnant and um, support their fertility in whatever way that looks like for them. Something that actually popped up in my social media was people talking about their experience when they were fat and when they were slimmer. And they said that it actually changed the way people treated them. I didn't know that was a thing. It is wild. And it's something that is so hidden within our culture until you experience it as a fat person. And like fat people aren't a monolith. Like it's not just like a thin person experience and a fat person experience. The fatter you are, the harder it becomes for you to navigate the world. And there are so many things that are left out of life for fat people that when you're in a smaller body, you don't even really begin to think about. So some examples are travel, like fat people can really struggle to go on airplanes, to navigate public transport, um, things like going out socially. So going to a theater, sometimes the seats are too small for fat people to be comfortable, you know, navigating a shop, maybe the aisles are too small, access to clothing, like, you know, the list is endless of all the ways that fat people aren't really thought about when it comes to navigating spaces. Um, and it is so prevalent in our healthcare. We know that from research that fat people have shorter appointment times, they're less likely to access healthcare because of the way they're treated by their doctors. They, um, they just aren't diagnosed with conditions because the doctors will blame their weight. Like this is, is so layered and so intricate and and yeah, it is wild how how hidden this is from society, but it's so damaging to fat folks. It's so sad. I didn't know there was so many things around you know, being fat. Mm, yeah, and it's it's not just the way that fat people see their bodies. You know, often there's like conversations around, you know, well, skinny shaming is the same as fat shaming, but actually what fat folks experience is a systemic oppression against their bodies it's not just a case of people commenting on them it is they are excluded from so many spaces in our world 
I was doing a podcast the other day with a plus size model. And something that I always ask is, is it okay to call somebody fat? Of, of course, not in a negative way, but like you say, you are fat positive. Mm. Is that considered okay to call somebody fat or is it um, not a disgrace, but is it something bad? It's a really good question. And it's something that I've grappled with for a long time. For ages, I didn't call myself fat because that word has been used against me, like as an insult, as a, you know, something really negative. But a lot of people who work in this space have worked really hard to start to use that word as a neutral descriptor for our bodies. So it's just the same as being tall or short or have brown hair. Like it's when you think about the word itself, it's just a neutral descriptor of our bodies. And it's really empowering to reclaim that word for me because it almost takes the power away from someone else being able to use it. Um, and absolutely, it doesn't mean anything. It just means that I'm fat. And that's that we have so many negative words that are associated with that word, right? Like you'd assume that that would mean like unhealthy or lazy or unmotivated. But all it just means is that my body is fat and I don't, I think it's really empowering to use that word again. And, and there's a lot of words that can feel quite stigmatizing. So it's nice to have something that I can land on and um, that feels good for me. Um, but it's different for everybody, right? Like some people will still have a lot of trauma around that word and find it really difficult to use that word. So it's really just about finding what somebody else feels comfortable and think about the impact of using that word for them. So other ways that you can refer to folks in a non-stigmatizing way is like with a higher weight body, with a higher BMI, um, folks in bigger bodies. Those are some of the ways that I use to describe other people's bodies. But yeah, I love using the word fat. Thank you for clarifying because it, it, it's something that I always have doubts because mm. um, I don't want to offend anybody. But Absolutely. still, you know, how, how do you uh, characterize somebody like you're saying, uh, tall, short, etc.? It's really hard to navigate, but it's, it's a really, really interesting conversation. Absolutely. You also, you also talk about fertility and that's something that you are actually a coach of. So fertility coach for fats, positive, uh, women, what does this mean and why is this important? So if a coach is really someone that supports you so it's a way of accessing care in our culture where often like in previous times we would have had much more support like we would have had a community of people who were able to like support you and encourage you so I kind of think of it in that way of like it's someone who's going to help you brainstorm like what kind of things are going to be helpful for you it's someone who's going to support you and be your cheerleader it's somebody who's going to be you know there at the end of an email if something's going wrong and you need to talk about it so it's kind of like someone who's just going to be there for you and in terms of my work what that means for me is that when somebody wants to get pregnant in a bigger body I help them navigate what that looks like in terms of how to support their health without weight loss and diets because so many people when they think about getting healthy it's just about losing weight so it's about how to really reframe that so you're nourishing and supporting your body We look at like having conversations with doctors to be able to access care, to be able to access treatments. And we look at like relationship with body. So really looking at how you talk about your body, what you believe that your body is capable of, what you think it's able to do and looking if that's supportive or whether kind of we've taken on years and years of these 
messages that we get from our culture that say fat is bad, fat people can't get pregnant, fat people are unhealthy when they're pregnant, you know, all these messages. So it's about it's a really kind of holistic approach to looking at supporting someone in as many ways as it takes for them to navigate that journey. So you believe that fertility, the fertility journey for a fat person is harder? Absolutely. And the main reason for that is access because so many fertility doctors, fertility clinics won't allow fat people to access treatment, support or care. Can you talk to me about your own experience with this? What were you told that you now know is to be untruth or misleading? So for me, I was told when I was 16, so 20 years ago now, that I wouldn't be able to get pregnant. Um, that was because I was diagnosed with a condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. Um, and 20 years ago, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have all the tools and the ways to find out information that we do now. So the doctor told me that I wouldn't be able to get pregnant and that I needed to lose weight. Basically, that was my treatment option. Um, so I went away started endless diets yo-yoing up and down in my weight um and what happened for me is when I was ready to start getting pregnant start trying for my family what I thought was going to be a difficult journey was actually a really short journey um we got pregnant super quickly we didn't need any kind of medical intervention and that really planted a seed of like oh well hang on a minute like why was this so easy for me why you know I still had all the symptoms of my PCOS um And I just, I was so confused about why it happened, but I was also super anxious because I still believed that I wasn't going to have a healthy pregnancy in a fat body, but both my pregnancies were unremarkable, nothing happened. And again, it really just pushed me to think, okay, well, if this is a lie, like what else have I been told that's not true? And it kind of started me on that path to really exploring what the research says around fatness and fertility and pregnancy and Yeah, when I, the more I dive into the research, the more shocked I am at how how biased it is, but also how how hard they make it for fat people to navigate fertility. Looking at the research, and were you treated differently by your doctors due to your weight, and how did this mm. impact your body image? So, yeah, so absolutely. When I got my PCOS diagnosis, I was told that weight loss was my answer. So. That impacted hugely the relationship I had with my body through my teens, through my 20s. You know, I believed that my body was broken. I believed that nobody would love me because I couldn't have children. You know, it really started a like a really negative experience with my body and constantly trying to change it. Like through my 20s, I'd say 90% of my thoughts were about food, changing my body, and how to, you know, how to navigate being in a bigger body and that was exhausting um but the more that I've kind of come to terms with being fat and not being not wanting to change my body and being happy with who I am the the better my relationship with my body has become so I have been able to treat it better I've been able to talk to it with more kindness I've been able to do more things in the world because my you know, my mental energy and my physical energy isn't taking up by making my body smaller. Like it really was, it was a release. It was such a huge um, escape once I had made that decision not to diet anymore, not to weigh myself anymore. And it, it just felt like this massive weight was lifted off my shoulders. 
And what about your sexuality? Was it impacted to, to you know, always seeing yourself and your body as something that you needed to change? Absolutely. So for when I was first diagnosed, so when I was starting to navigate this, this kind of identity as being, you know, having this illness as it was kind of it's kind of considered um and not being able to get pregnant it really impacted the decisions I made about my sexual health so um I wasn't as careful as I should have been or I felt I needed to be in terms of um kind of pregnancy um you know avoidance like contraceptive methods things like that and I was, it was really difficult for me to fight, to decide on a partner based on kind of the partner that I would like, because I felt so negative about my own body. I, the partners that I ended up choosing or were really partners that chose me. So I felt like, oh, well, nobody's ever going to love me. So anybody who shows any kind of interest in me, I should be happy. I should be thrilled about that. And it had a huge impact on on my self-esteem and yeah throughout my whole teens and 20s it was definitely a case of body image playing a huge role in how I navigated my first sexual experiences and how I grew as a person through my sexual identity and yeah I'm still now trying to unravel like the decisions I made around my partners and my sexual health and and trying to remove a lot of that stigma around that and blame that I kind of I held for a long time around that because I was just doing my best in the situation that I had and and kind of with kindness and with hindsight I can look back and, and begin to understand a lot more about why that happened and and how I was treated and and why I made the decisions I did. I can see it had a lot of impact and mm. you know you were talking about how when you are trying to conceive uh that can affect your sexuality. A lot, a lot of times it is a chore or it can become a chore versus Absolutely. something fun and intimacy for the couple. Were you able to cross that bridge, you know, with the fat shaming and with the body images and still navigating fertility and trying to get pregnant? Were you able to cross that and just enjoy the moment? Because it, I think it's such an important moment for the couple, mm. such a, an endearing, intimate moment. Yeah, I mean, for me, with my current, my husband now, that was never a problem. Like immediately in our relationship, I felt cared for, I felt seen, I felt supported. Um, but for so many folks who want to get pregnant, body image and the shame that they can feel around how their bodies are treated, how their bodies are working, can really impact their both their sexual experiences and the actual act of wanting to get pregnant if they're in a heterosexual couple and it can it can cause so much so much anxiety for a lot of people because they feel ashamed of their body and they don't want to be touched by their partner they don't want to um explore that intimate side because they feel so guilty that their body looks the way that it does and they feel so ashamed that their body isn't able to do these things that they're supposed to do in kind of quotes like your body's supposed to be able to have a baby and when that core is shook in terms of like that root desire to be able to to kind of have a baby then it's really natural to want to kind of shy away and to feel like you don't want to have that intimate relationship because you feel you're letting your partner down so sexuality and fertility are so interwoven in terms of navigating that experience and also like you say that sure like 
when you've been wanting to get pregnant for a while and it's kind of gone on month after month and it's not happened, then it can feel so damaging for both partners in terms of that pressure to perform at the right time of the month. Um, and also, yeah, just to, to navigate that intimacy together when you feel that there's something wrong and that your body is, is broken. And what advice do you have for somebody who may be listening that is struggling with their body and the idea of being pregnant, but would like to become a mother or a father? Hmm. I mean, again, like the idea of body struggle goes well into pregnancy because especially for fat folks, like getting bigger is something that's seen as, as something that's really dangerous. Um, and it can for thinner folks as well. Absolutely. Like if you've seen the way that fat folks are treated, then it's completely understandable why getting bigger. So if you're pregnant and your body is growing with a baby, like that can feel really, really scary and that can feel really hard to navigate. So for folks who are going through that, whether they want to become a parent, but they're worried about what's going to happen to their body, um, definitely seek out some kind of support with that, whether that's from a therapist, whether that's from a, a really close friend that you can um, talk to and engage about those fears just being able to voice them and share them can be really liberating to be able to have those, just that conversation around how you're feeling and what you're worried about and being able to talk through that with your partner as well, if that feels safe to do so. Um, but yeah, I just want folks to know that you're not alone in that. Like so many people are worried about how their body is going to change through pregnancy and what that means about their body and their worth as a human and you know, so many things. So I think the first step is definitely to find someone you can have a safe conversation with about that and to talk about your fears. That's great advice. And you also wrote a book called Fat and Fertile, How to Get Pregnant in a Bigger Body. Can you talk me through it? You know, what, what made you write the book? And above all, what can people find in the book that will help them? So I wrote the book because there wasn't a book out there like this I didn't feel ready to write this book I didn't feel prepared but when I was wanting to support people who were in bigger bodies the only book that I could find promoted weight loss like oh the only mention that fat folks ever get in any kind of fertility book is and if your BMI is higher you need to lose weight and that's that I felt, yeah I just felt people were being so isolated and so um unsupported in their care and I really wanted to find a way to make some of the, the things that I wanted to say accessible to folks so I decided to write it down <laughs> um, and the book is a, a kind of mixture of my own personal experience kind of going through my PCOS diagnosis and how that impacted my mental health and being in a bigger body um, but also some of the research that I found around along the way about why it's unethical for people to deny folks fertility access based on their BMI um, and what, it, what the research does say about fertility and BMI and also um, some of the coaching tools that I use with people. So some exercises to help folks navigate how they're feeling about getting pregnant when they're bigger, but also, you know, navigating the healthcare system and navigating those beliefs and the ideas that we're told by our culture. So it's a, a mixture of different things that hopefully will help folks see their fertility in a different way, see their bodies in a different way, and also help them navigate that space with a bit more kindness. Thank you. I think that's going to be helpful for a lot of people. Um, and I think it can be found on Amazon? Yes. So I self-published the book 
Um, so yes, it's available via Amazon at the moment. Awesome. There's something that really struck me because I had no idea about this. You posted on your Instagram that pregnancy tests are not made for fat people. Mm. What does this mean? It's So this post I posted on Instagram had so much um, feedback. So many people anecdotally reported this idea. And what the post was based on was a piece, a couple of pieces of research that I found when I was doing some literature reviews. And they said that um, for fat people with a higher BMI, um, they will they see less amount of the hormone HCG, which is the um, the hormone that you measure in pregnancy tests. And across the board, they found a lower dose of that in folks' blood when they're doing pregnancy tests. Um, and that absolutely then goes into, you know, like if people have a lower dose of this hormone in their blood, they are absolutely not going to be able to see the same levels in their pregnancy tests as well. So um, I did this post and so many people reported that they knew exactly when they ovulated, they knew exactly when their conception was, but they didn't get their positive pregnancy test until two, three weeks later than they anticipated. Um, and it blew my mind how many people had this experience. And I've done more research in this area and the same thing is popping up for other hormones. So hormones like LH, which is the hormone that you use to measure when you're ovulating, um, like progesterone, which is the hormone that you use, um, that they measure when you are pregnant to see how the pregnancy is going. Um, all these hormones are considered low often in folks in bigger bodies based on the reference range that we're seeing. And I think what's actually going on is that all these reference ranges have been determined based on folks in thinner bodies. And what's actually going on is that our biology is different. We have a larger volume, like blood total. So uh, the concentration looks smaller because we have more blood. So it's not that something's going wrong. It's just that our bodies weren't taken into consideration when these tests were created. So, so many people are going through fear, anxiety, worry that A, their body's not working properly, or B, that they're going to have a pregnancy loss based on these results, or that they're not ovulating because they don't see the ovulation go up. And it's having such a negative impact on folks' mental health and pregnancy journeys, purely because these tests weren't designed with fat folks' bodies in mind. And it's just one small way in which we're kind of left out of this healthcare conversation and where our healthcare is being negatively impacted because of it. I love the fact that you are bringing the subject because not that you can solve it, but at least people can manage their anxiety. Mm. If people know that they can, they can take that into consideration, right? Like they can either go and have a blood test. They can find a test that's more sensitive. They can just be really realistic about what they expect to happen so that they're not immediately like, Oh, I failed. And it impacts their healthcare decisions. Like for someone who maybe went through an IVF cycle or fertility treatment, they get their test back and it's negative. Then maybe they go into the next cycle. And for some folks that might mean that they haven't spotted a pregnancy, which will then, you know, be impacted by the, the, the decisions they make in the future on that next month. So it can have real life implications on people's fertility journeys. And it's absolutely something that not only everybody should be aware of, but, you know, healthcare teams should be aware of, and it should be managed and placed in processes to support fat folks and just to help them more. 100%. There's something that you also said that really uh, made me think about. So you said that being a feminist 
can boost your fertility. Can you break this down for me? So, um, so yeah, so the way that I like to think about kind of my feminist lens is all around um, our, the way that we show up in the world. So for me, when I was navigating becoming a parent, um, I was worried about a lot of stuff. So around like how my career was going to look, like ways I going to have time for myself. What was it going to look like in terms of childcare? And, you know, all these things that we don't necessarily think about when we want to get pregnant. So what I encourage folks to do if they want to come at it from kind of a feminist angle is to really look at how, how the future is going to look for them in terms of, you know, how are you going to navigate your career? Like, what would your ideal be? How are you going to share that with a partner if you have one? And um, what your childcare is going to look like? Are you going to continue your, your career? Really thinking about what the future looks like in terms of your, um, your life and your life with children so that you can make decisions now to support that future. Because for a lot of folks, especially folks who are struggling with their fertility, they'll stay in a job for a long time because they don't it's not because they're enjoying their work or they're enjoying their career it's because they don't want to move in case they get pregnant that month and they may lose health benefits they may lose fertility maternity care um and that's holding a lot of folks back from being able to do the things that they want to do in their jobs or find um the benefits from in improving their career or navigating their career so by exploring what you want in terms of your um you know your life as a when you grow your family to look like it can really help you navigate those conversations about okay well who's going to take parental care what's that going to look like for us what will our financial um future look like and how are we going to navigate childcare and the costs of that and the cost of raising a child in there so that you can create a future that aligns with your own values around um what you believe a family dynamic should look like I think that's that's great to know, and um, the fact that you you put it so simply, it I think it helps people to you know think about those things before they want to get pregnant or whilst they are in that process. Mm. And because you know so much about fertility, do you have any tips for those listening that might be trying? Mm, so, from it's tricky to give specific fertility advice when we're talking about a large population of folks because. So many people have different things going on. But what I recommend for all folks is that, first of all, they look at, are they eating enough food? Like for so many folks, they're like, we've got to focus on the right foods or a diet or this. But for so many people who've been on diets in the past or, or who um, are restricting the kind of food or have been dieting, people don't get enough food. People don't get enough sustenance to support their body and growing another human so it's about making sure that you are getting enough food in your body the second one is getting enough sleep and enough rest so so many people either struggle to sleep or don't get enough rest in their day or just working so many hours boundaries around work and life are kind of blurring in terms of you know so many people will now be checking their emails at midnight or checking their phone work emails first thing in the morning so it's about really being intentional about rest time and about time for you and making sure you've got that time to switch off from the kind of day-to-day humdrum of work and then the last one is about finding ways to move your body joyfully or with intention so finding ways to to feel that your body is good wherever level you are in terms of your fitness 
and finding ways to get the benefits of moving your body, whatever that looks like for you. Um, and then the last thing I always say to folks is that I really want them to believe that they are capable of having a healthy pregnancy because for so many fat folks, especially like they're told that that is not ever achievable for them. So just hearing someone say like you are worthy and deserving of having a healthy pregnancy and getting the support you need to get there, I think can be so liberating for, for so many people. Oh, yes, I, I agree with you. And it's such a or it can be such a hard journey. Mm. I, I was I was lucky. My journey wasn't hard. Um, but still, I, I've, I went through that journey with a couple of friends and it was it was hard to see them struggle for so long mm. until they, they were able to get pregnant. Um, one last question, because this is something that is very important for us. How do you keep your relationship open, exciting and intimate? Mm, that is such a good question. Um, so for me, it is around really communicating my needs with my partner, whether that's in the house, whether that's to do with chores, whether that's to do with childcare, whether that's to do with our sex life, our relationship. It has really been a big lesson for me in communicating what my needs are really clearly um, and asking for help with them. For so long, I felt like I had to do everything. I had to do all the cleaning, do all the childcare, you know, get all my needs met myself. Um, and the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that I don't want to do that. And I don't want to model that for my children either. Um, being the super mom who does it all, like I don't want them to see that because I don't want to perpetuate that myth that women can or should do it all. So the biggest lesson that I've had has been being really clear about exactly what I need from my partner um, and helping them figure out how to do it rather than just going, this is how I do it. This is the right way. You should do it this way. Like giving them the space and the time to go, okay, these are what we need to do together. And this is, you know, I will find my own way to navigate that and do what's best for me. That is super important because if you don't communicate what you want, how does the other person know? I know. I sprayed as I thought that he was just going to be able to mind read that and then he should, you know, and then be really annoyed when he didn't. But yeah, older, wiser. <laughs> Nicole, for, any, for everyone that might be wanting to know more about fat positivity or fertility, where can they find you? So I'm most active on Instagram and my handle is fat positive fertility. And over there, I've got all the links to my website and everything. So yeah, Instagram is definitely the best place to find me. And if you want to see interesting information like the pregnancy tests, you'll find it on Instagram, like I did. Thank <laughs> you so much, Nicola. It was a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. And that was Intimacy Play. We hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about Pleasy and how we can take your relationship to the next level, visit pleasyplay.com. Then also make sure to search for Intimacy Play in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Pleasy, thank you for listening.